Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Thanks for being here. Thanks to those of you that are streaming with us. I hope you had a great week had a great Easter. We had great Easter services here. I appreciate everything that you did to make that possible, to welcome people last weekend. It was was absolutely incredible. And and today we're kicking off a brand new series, which I am excited about. And the series is called Blueprint. Now, I'm a little bit biased, but I think it's going to be a great great series because we're going to talk about the Blueprint for our church, why we do some of the things that we do. And really, we should talk about this more frequently than we do. Uh, we, we have partnership class three times a year where we try to condense all of this down into an hour session, but it's really difficult to do that, especially with COVID. We haven't had a chance to do that. But every couple years, we try to talk about really why did God call us here and the what's and the why's. And it really, what that does is it keeps us focused. It keeps us grounded as a church to know the mission and the vision that God's given us and what we should be about those of us that are following uh, Christ. And, And I love talking about this because quite frankly, I love the church. I love our church. I love, uh, the purpose of the church, but let's face it. A lot of people don't love church. As a matter of fact, There's a lot of people that don't even like the church. And I say that to tell you, I talk to so many people in my line of work, and I talk to people frequently, and so many people that I meet had a bad experience in church growing up, or they had a bad experience in church as a young adult, and they were completely turned off from the church or by the church from that point forward. And when I hear stories like that, it breaks my heart. It really does. And maybe you're watching today or you're here and you would say, you know, that's my story. Maybe you got divorced and you wanted to keep going to church because you wanted to keep growing and learning. But there was just a couple of people in the church that thought it was their job and their responsibility to make your life miserable and keep pointing out the fact that you were divorced. And so you quit going. Or maybe you fathered a child out of wedlock. Or you gave birth to a child and you weren't married. And instead of getting encouragement and strength and help from the church, you were shunned. Or maybe you showed up to church one day and they found out you were gay. And instead of being able to focus on who you were as a person and focus on your heart, all they could focus on was your sexuality. Listen, that's not how the body of Christ should operate. That's not how the church should be. So when we planted this church, we felt like God was telling us, create a place that people enjoy attending. Create a place where people can learn about me, where people can be comfortable no matter where they're at in life, no matter what their past looks like, no matter what their present looks like. And if we're all honest, we've all got issues Right? We say that a lot around here. Every single one of us has issues in our life right now. We've got issues in our past. We wanted to create a place where people could come each week and learn about Christ. Whether they were following Christ or not. 
that every week we could walk away with something practical that we could apply to our lives to make us more like Christ, or even if we weren't following Christ, something we could apply to our lives to make our life better. And so I think it's important that we understand as a church family, and I'm talking about right now this church, and I'll talk about the universal church in a minute, all believers, but I think it's important to know why we exist as a church and what the blueprint is for the church because we've seen God work, right, for the past 10 years, and we all have a part in that because we are all a part of the body of Christ. And so a question that I get a lot, and I really got a lot in the early days of the church is why in the world did we start another church? I mean, there's churches literally on just about every street corner. So when we started the church in 2010, people were like, why are you starting another church? And so, uh, you know, I try to answer that question in, in as positive a way as possible, but we live in a culture right now, and we live in a really a nation right now, or even in our community, where most people that don't go to church think that church is for people who go to church. Does that make sense? The unchurched believes that the church is just for church people. Why would I go to church? Because church is for church people. And that kind of, dry, that kind of thinking just drives me crazy, because if the church is only for church people, and that's the way it's been a lot in history, then that means Jesus only came for church people. And when Jesus came, there wasn't even a church, a New Testament church, we, so we know that's not why Jesus came. So we have to go back and figure out, okay, why did Jesus come? To establish what should our purpose be as the body of Christ, as the church. And now we know in John three sixteen it says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? We know that. But why did Jesus come? And ultimately, it's, it's summarized for us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And if you're following along on our outline, it's available on the Church Center app that you can download from the App Store. Or if you're watching online, they'll send you a link. But Luke 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came, what? To seek and save those who are lost. That was his purpose in coming. To give us hope. And unfortunately, and it's the fault of a lot of Christians, we live in a country and we live in a community that believes that church is only for church people. But I also believe we live in a, in a community and we live in a nation that people really do care about God. People really do want to know about God. They're curious about God. There's not a lot of atheists in the world. They, they want you to think they're a huge group, but they're not. People are not necessarily against connecting with God. And I think that's hardwired in each of us. You know, when we're searching and, and trying to answer questions, we're trying to fill that void to figure out what's missing in my life. And until we find Christ, we, we don't realize what that missing is. But I think everybody has a curiosity about where we came from and how we were created and who God is. So people aren't against God, they've just been against the way the church, the universal church, has presented God in the past. See, the problem is when people have a negative experience, no matter what it is in life, most of the time do they return to what caused that negative experience. 
Think about it. Something negative happens in your life. Something causes you pain in your life. You don't just naturally go back to that. Boy, that was fun. I want to do that again. Right? And that's what the universal church is facing in the world today. 90% of all churches in the United States of America are in decline. They're dying. They're shrinking. And here's what we face. Learning number one. People who have a bad experience in church may never return. That's a lot of your story. And I use this example in partnership class, but I think the very best example in my lifetime is 9-11-2001. The terrorist attacks on the United States of America, the Twin Towers, the, the plane in Pennsylvania, the Pentagon. The Sunday after those tragic events, you know what happened? People went to church. People wanted to learn about God. They wanted to connect with God. And I'm telling you, it was bigger than Easter. Churches could not hold all of the people that showed up at church. They didn't stay home that Sunday and argue, how could a loving God do this? How could a loving God let this happen in our culture? No, America responded after those events and they showed up at church. And it was huge. But you know what happened the next Sunday? There was less people in church. And you know what happened the Sunday after that? There was less people in church. And by the fourth Sunday after those tragic events, churches were back to normal attendance. I was a deacon. Imagine that. I was a deacon in a Southern Baptist church. And I remember the deacons talking about it and the pastors talking about it and the pastors talking about what they were reading about it. And, and the conclusion was drawn pretty much uh, nationwide that the reason that the church attendance shrunk after those events was because people didn't love Jesus the way that the church loved Jesus. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, God, how much longer do I have to do this? No. They showed up. People came to church, and it confirmed their suspicions. There's nothing here for me. This is an insider's club. I didn't know where to sit. I didn't know when to stand or when to kneel and when to pray. I didn't know what a benediction was or a supplication or an offertory or a doxology. I didn't know how to check my kids in. Somebody told me I sat in the wrong place. People were judgmental, and so they didn't come back. People didn't come back. And if you look at the scripture, and if you look at, and again, the church is not the building. It's us. It's me. It's you. We're the body of Christ. And if you look at the call of the body of Christ, we are to be Jesus's representatives on this earth. And I think the church, the body of Christ, and the local church should be set up for the people that aren't here yet. For the people that don't know Jesus Yet, Because we'll grow when we partner with Christ to seek and to save those who are lost. And I heard one of the best examples of this from last weekend at this church. There there are several couples and they serve faithfully in our church and they've got a string of siblings and they all sit together on, uh, on a Sunday. And they were sitting here and they were early and if you were here last Sunday, it was crazy, busy. And they're sitting in their row and and they're waiting for the service to start. And another family comes in and they sit on the same row. And and one of the family members was having an issue with how crowded it was. And, you know, we haven't been used to being around people for a year. And and really probably started having a little bit of a panic attack because they needed more space. You know what that whole crew did? They got up and they walked to the back and sat in the back. 
for the sake of those people that they didn't know. They didn't know if it was their first time here. They didn't know if they were Jesus. That's the way it should be. So when we started the church, it's because we believed truly there was still an openness to God in our community for the 70 to 80% of the people that didn't go to church anyway. There's still an openness to God in our nation, yet a lot of times the church has gotten in the way. And unfortunately, the church has been probably the biggest barrier for people connecting with Christ than anything else. We should be a magnet for people who want to know about Jesus. Look look at the life of Jesus. You read the stories about Jesus and people who were nothing like him wanted to be around him. People like us, sinners, irreligious people, people with a past, people who had done bad things, people who listened to boy bands, (laughs) right? All kinds of sinners, wanted to be around Jesus. Something was irresistible about Jesus. He had this magnetism that drew people that were nothing like him to himself. We as the church should be that. As a matter of fact, you know Jesus had a reputation. Here was Jesus' reputation, learning number two. Jesus, and it's still his reputation today, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Some of you have gotten that reputation because of who you're married to, right? Jesus was a friend of sinners. So we have been on a mission for 10 years to reframe the local church to make it irresistible for people to go to church so they can connect with Christ because Jesus was irresistible. And we should be just as irresistible as Jesus because this is where they're going to meet Jesus. Somebody ought to be able to walk in here on any given Sunday and say, you know what? I don't agree with what that pastor said. I don't buy all this Jesus thing, but I like those people. They were friendly and I'm going to go back. I actually got something I could apply to my life. life. A lot of the things Jesus teaches us, even if you're not following Jesus, will improve your life. It'll improve your marriage. It'll change your kids. It'll, it'll improve your character. But people ought to be able to come in here and say, I'm coming back. I'm not following Jesus, but I'm coming back. And you know, that's what I've heard for 10 years is the people at Blue Ridge Church. They get this. That's how Jesus was. He welcomed everybody. Didn't matter where they were. Didn't matter their past. If they were open and they were curious, he was right there. That's why sinners loved to be around him. So I personally believe we have to be about the Lord's work as he seeks and saves the lost. We can't save anybody, but we can sure create an environment where people can learn how Jesus can save them. And we can encourage them on that journey. That's our charge. That's our mission. That's the bar. We got to do whatever it takes to help people to find Christ because Christ wants the loss to be found. And so I'm going to look at some key verses and share some key verses with you from uh, the book of Acts that's church history that'll show you why we set the church up the way that we did. And to kind of set this up, what we need to understand is the first people that started giving their lives to Jesus, the first people that started coming to Jesus were all Jewish. 
They, they had grown up in a Jewish home. They knew all the Jewish rules and regulations, those 613 laws the religious leaders made them follow. They knew the Hebrew scripture. They knew the ins and outs of the synagogue, when to stand, when to sit, when to kneel, when to pray, because they had gone to church all their life, the temple, and their parents raised them that way. So they knew. They knew the stories. They knew the apostles. They knew everything. And they started giving their lives to Christ. But there was such an explosion of growth for people accepting Christ. All of a sudden, some people that started giving their lives to Christ weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles. Gentiles simply meant you were not Jewish. So you were either Jewish or you weren't Jewish. And if you weren't Jewish, you were a Gentile. So all these Gentiles started giving their lives to Christ and following Jesus and so the religious leaders, those who were kind of over the synagogue and, and over religion, and, and the religious leaders really controlled the distribution of God. They got together, and they were all Jewish, by the way. They got together and said, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. These Gentiles can't become Christians before they become Jewish. They got to become like us before they can become a Christian. So all of a sudden, in the very beginning, I'm going to show it to you, there's conflict. And there's conflict still today in most churches. All of a sudden, these Christian leaders created this formula. This is necessary if you're going to follow Jesus. All of a sudden, the insiders, the Jewish people, and I remember, they're the ones that knew when to stand and when to sit and when to kneel and when to pray and knew what all these fancy church terms meant made it difficult for the outsider, the Gentile, to become a Christian. It was an us versus them mentality. The very beginning in the book of Acts, and it still exists in churches all throughout the world today. So let's look at Acts chapter 15, verse 1. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you were circumcised... As required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Hmm. That's a pretty high standard for salvation, isn't it? You got to be circumcised before you can become a Christian. Jesus never said that. But it was such an important part of the Jewish heritage, the religious Jews felt like it was necessary that the Gentiles should have to be circumcised. And I say it in partnership class, my guess is that first new members class in that church was all women. There was no way any dude was going to join that church. But how crazy is that to think that somebody has to have surgery, they got to have an operation before they can follow Christ. But the, what we got to understand is the Jews were as serious as they could be because it was such a part of their heritage. Then in Acts 15 too, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. In other words, we're going to go talk to the, to the big boys and find out what they say about this issue. Acts chapter 15, verse 4, when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. So here's what they're doing. They're telling stories of life change. They're like, man, these Gentiles, their lives are being changed by Jesus. And they're being changed by Jesus in a good way. And guess what? They haven't had surgery. They haven't become Jewish. 
And Jesus is still working in their lives. I, I, I pictured it like we tell life change stories here. How you hear about a marriage was put back together. You hear about how somebody got past their addiction or their fears. Or their relationship with their kids was restored because of what Christ was doing in their life. Or how a husband now started treating his wife with respect because of Christ and he had found Christ. That's all they were doing was telling these stories of life change. And saying, look, all these Gentiles' lives have been changed by Christ and none of them have become Jewish. So Acts 15, 5, but then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees, and we know they were the really strict religious leaders, stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. They're not going to give it up. So what they were doing is they were basically adding rules to the formula for becoming a Christian. And churches have been adding rules to the formula to become a Christian ever since. And for some of you, Watching some of you here, that is your story. That's why you were turned off from the church for so long. You wanted to connect with God, but the church just kept getting in the way. And they just kept adding requirements on you and adding rules on you. Those first church leaders just couldn't make it simple. They just couldn't make the message of Jesus easy and accessible. We use this ladder in partnership class. And most churches are set up like this ladder. Most churches you walk in and everybody is on the top rung because they know where to sit and they know when to stand and they know when to kneel and they know when to pray and they know what the kids area is and they know where the restrooms are. And they say, I've heard all the sermons. I know all the Bible verses. I know all the stories about Jesus. I pray every day. Most churches, people feel like they're on the top rung. And most churches are set up that way. You have to know something or have some background like those Jewish people that came to Christ had all that background. That's the way most churches look to the outsider that walks in. So an outsider walks in and says, wow, I'd like to be as spiritual as you. I'd like to know the Bible stories the way that you know them. I'd like to be able to pray the way that you pray, but I don't know that I can make that big a commitment. I don't really know what's going on. Can you explain it to me? Well, wait a minute. There's something missing. You've pulled out all the rungs. And most of the unchurched say, aren't there any steps for me to get to where you're at? And they walk in and they see there's no steps and they very rarely come back. That's why our culture thinks that church is just for church people, because most churches are set up for church people. So the religious leaders in the book of Acts, they're saying, well, that's too bad. They got to become like us, because if they don't become like us, this thing could get real messy, and too many people could come, and, and it could get chaotic, and I won't have a place to park my camel. We're just not going to do this, Right? <laughs> We're just not going to do this. They need to become like us. And Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, and I'll summarize what he says, but he, man, I was on fire the first service. I, I love talking about this. I'm going to preach today. I may be spitting a little bit, so just I apologize. But Peter stands up and he says, come on. Can you not see that God is working in their lives? 
God is changing people. And when you tell people to do something that God never said to do, you are standing in God's way. You are slowing up the process. And he concluded with Acts 15, 11. We believe, this is Peter, we believe that we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of Jesus. And then James stood up. And what James said is really why we exist as a church. And it's Acts chapter 15, verse 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We shouldn't make it difficult for people who want to learn about Christ, that want to turn to God. Let's not make it difficult for people to try to follow God. I've got an idea. Let's put some steps back on the ladder. And that's what Jesus did. Learning number three, Jesus put rungs on the ladder. Acts 15 30 through 31. So they decide, all right, they don't have to become Jewish to become a Christian. I'm surprised they had to have a council to figure that out, but they did. And the, here's, here's what it says. The messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read the encouraging. Well, of course there was great joy. For once, they felt like they had some freedom. For once, they felt like Christianity was something other than a bunch of rules. And I think the learning from that early church and that first business meeting still holds true today. We must make the message of Jesus easy and accessible to everybody. We got to do anything and everything to make the message of Jesus easy and accessible. Because if not, if we're getting in the way, guess who we're getting in the way of? We're getting in the way of what God is trying to do in their life. And so in order to do that as a church, we said, we have got to not look like this. We've got to put some rungs on the ladder so that there's a step for every single person that comes here, regardless of where they're at on the spiritual journey or if they're even on the spiritual journey at all. There's got to be a step for them. And I think the very first thing is to realize the church does not exist for us. We're already here, right? And now God wants us to partner with him because we're a member of the church, the body of Christ. He wants us to partner with him to help seek and to save those who are lost. Or as Matthew says, to carry the gospel to all nations. So putting rungs on the bottom of the ladder means that we may have to sacrifice some of our preferences, For the sake of those who don't know Jesus. I know my family, I know my extended family has sacrificed their preferences. I didn't grow up in a church like this. But they see that people are coming to Christ. And they're willing to forego whatever it is that they desire to see people come to know who Jesus is. So we have to intentionally create a culture where people feel welcome. No matter what's going on in their life no matter where they've been or what they've done. I always want this place to be safe for you, to bring your friends. It has to be. And putting rungs back on the bottom of the ladder means that we're going to be transparent. We're going to be ourselves. We don't have to pretend on Sunday to be somebody that we're not. We know we got issues. Let's just deal with it. And let's just be who God created us to be. 
Putting rungs back on the ladder means we'll never be driven by the person who gives the most money or the person who's been here the longest. We're going to do what it takes to reach people for Jesus and to make that message and keep that message of Jesus easy and accessible for everybody. So how can we put rungs back on the ladder? And I put one on backwards last service. But one way we can do it is by existing for the outsider. To exist for the person who's not here yet. To set it up so that people will feel comfortable when they finally have something happen in their life and they want to come. Mark said this in 2.17, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have not come to call, I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, or i.e. on the top rung, but those who know they're sinners. The church, the body of Christ, the local church, should be a hospital for sinners instead of a hotel for saints. Right? It's a hospital for sinners. How else can we put a rung uh, back on the ladder? Is by creating a come-as-you-are environment. People should be able to come however they are, baggage and all, no matter what they look like, no matter what's happened in their life. And that's the way we've been for 10 years. Another way we can put a rung back on the ladder is to recognize that only God can change people. Only God can change people. Most churches think, okay, somebody gives their life to Christ. We need to take them over here and we need to say, you need to do this, 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 and this. And they try to turn them into a person like them. We cannot discount the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what 1 Corinthians says, what Paul said in 3.6. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. We can plant the seed we can help water it and, and, and cultivate the soil and fertilize it and do everything we can to encourage people on their journey. But God is going to save them and God's going to change them. It's not our job to change people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We can help in that process, but ultimately the Holy Spirit's got to lead that person, right? Another way uh, we can put a rung back on the ladder, and, there, and there's a bunch of ways. These are just a few. We can make it easy for people to get connected have plenty of opportunities for people to connect in the body of Christ with other people because we get so encouraged in our walk with Christ when we're connected to others. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Every one of us has different abilities, talents, gifts, and it's all needed if the body of Christ is going to operate the proper way. And then the last way, or the last way I'm going to talk about today that we can put a rung back on the ladder is by being practical. What do you mean by that, Scott? We teach on Sundays topically a lot of times, quite frankly, because that's the way that Christ taught. And we, we teach on topics that are relevant to our world today, relationships. How can my marriage be better? How can my family relationships be better? How can I deal with the people at work? How can I, you know, uh, deal with my kids? We talk about parenting and raising kids. We talk about our fears and how do we get past our past. 
We talk about addiction and things that control us that God wants us to release. We learn about the characteristics of Christ because those are the characteristics that he wants us to have in our lives. Because we want people to be able to walk away each week with something that they can apply to their lives. Listen, I don't know anything more valuable in life to do than to help people find and follow Christ. If I did, I guarantee you I'd be doing it. But it's going to mean sometimes my preferences aren't going to be the preferences that are met. It's going to be the preferences of the person that's here for the first time or the person that doesn't know Jesus. So are you willing to give up some of your preferences for the sake of those who need to know Christ? That's a question we always have to be asking ourselves as a church. Because if not, we get into, get into bad habits. Well, what do you mean preferences? How about your music preferences? We play music loud on Sundays. Have you figured that out? You know why? Because you can't sing. <laughs> and we don't want to hear you sing. Right? No, if somebody comes to church and they want to sing, they ought to be able to sing instead of having to worry about somebody next to them hearing them. And we play music that is appealing to the majority of the population. It sounds similar to the stuff that we listen to on the radios. It's not what I grew up with. I get that. But it's very appealing to a lot of people that come. So I'm willing to listen to it and I'm willing to to sing. What about your favorite Bible translation? We don't use the same translation every week, but we use translations that are easy to understand. Contrary to popular belief, you do not have to use just the King James Version of the Bible. Jesus did not write the King James, right? King James did. But we think, okay, that's the one, that's the oldest one, that's the one we got to use. No, there's, a, there's other translations that are just as theologically sound, if not more theologically sound, because they use more transcripts to transcribe them. We just want something that's going to be easy to understand. I'm not going to use uh, big words on Sunday because I don't have the big vocabulary anyway. I'm not that smart. But I've got to understand what I'm talking about before you're going to understand what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to use these church words that are about this long so you think, wow, he's so smart. No. Are we willing you know, to give up where we sit on Sundays? You may not be able to sit in the same seat every week. It's okay. It is absolutely okay. Are you willing to invite your friends knowing it's a safe place for them to hear about Christ? Are you willing to get involved? I'm committed to this. I know a lot of you are committed to this. And I don't, I don't mind if other churches think we're unspiritual. I don't mind that I've had to give up my preferences. Because I don't know anything better in life than helping people to find and follow Jesus. I'm committed to this because I think when that local church, the local body of Christ gets off mission, God gets uninterested. What do you mean by that? God's not thrilled when the entire church, everybody's already going to heaven. He didn't send Jesus into this world for everybody that was already on the top rung, did he? He sent his son into the world to seek and to save the lost. And we have to be about helping in that search. That's what Christ calls us to do. And you know what you've done for 10 years? You've done exactly that. I hear all the time. You think people comment on your church, you know, that you you work out. Man, your your preaching's great. Nope. That singing, that music's incredible. Nope. It's always about the people. I felt so welcome there. I can't tell you 
How many times over and over and over again I hear that? That's the most laid-back, welcoming place I've ever been to. That's the way it should be because that's how Jesus was. Jesus met people where they were at, and you've been meeting people where they were at for the past 10 years. I don't know what God has in store for the next 10, but I'm excited to see. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this church. Lord, but most of all, thank you for these people. Lord, how they have understood for 10 years what you want us to be about. And you have done work in this church. So, Lord, I thank you this morning for the people. Because without them following you, none of this would be possible. God, we truly want to help people to find you. To have that same hope that we received when you came into our lives. Lord, everybody deserves a relationship with you. Help us not to make it difficult for people to find you once we found you. But to keep you simple and let you work with people in their lives. God, we are truly amazed at what you do each and every day, each and every week of our lives. But from the bottom of my heart, Lord, I do thank you for these people. And that people come here and that's what they walk away with. Wow. Those people are amazing because that shows them that we love you because of our love for each other. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Amen. Just a couple real quick things for you. Uh, There is a group that's off-cycle. You know, we usually do our groups three times a year, but when we have off-cycle ones, we let you know about. There's a golf group that's going to be starting up in in a couple weeks. You don't have to come and join and play golf with people you don't know. Uh, A lot of you play golf on a consistent basis. If you do, this is the group for you because they're going to play a different course every month, and they're just going to tell you when the course is. You don't have to play it, you know, on that day, but then everybody submits their scores, and they're going to have some different prizes and stuff. It's kind of cool if you're a regular golfer. The other thing is uh, those welcome videos. Are you willing to listen to that every week? People will ask me, well, Scott, why do we show that welcome video every week? Because it's not about us. It's about the person who's here for the first time. And if you'd like to film one of those, you feel like you got a little bit of acting ability, you know, I want to invite you to, some of you are saying, there is no way you're getting me up on that screen. But if you're interested in filming a a welcome video, again, to make people feel welcome when they come to Blue Ridge Church, there's a group. You can sign up on our group tab and, and do that. I hope you have a terrific week. God bless you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.